Welcome to the Living Jewishly Podcast. I'm Dr. Elliot Malamud. And I'm Rabbi Yossi Saperman. We talk about Judaism, and we talk about living, and we talk about everything in between. Judaism is not nearly as boring as I thought it was now that I talk to Elliot regularly. We're not selling you on Judaism. We're not selling you on living. We're just trying to get you inside of our brains, the way we think about stuff. By getting you into our Jewish brain, you'll argue a lot, you'll disagree, you'll love, you'll eat, you'll have a really good time, you'll learn a lot of things, and you know what? You might actually find that all those 3,000 years have been worth it. In my Living Jewishly conversation with Noah Tile, we're going to talk about how he experiences the High Holidays, his vision of Judaism in the world, and also his conception of millennials in the contemporary Jewish world. Noah Tile is the creator of the podcast Change Talk, and we're delighted to have him with us today. Thanks for coming, Noah. Thank you for having me, Dr. Malamut. I wanted to start by asking you about your own Jewish journey, your experience. Would you describe the Judaism you grew up with as the same as the one you practice now, or have there been changes since then? What's it like for you? For myself, I would say that there is a common link that my Judaism has had since its inception until today, while I've had a number of changes. What has stayed consistent for me is being a part of the rhythm and flow of the Jewish spiritual life. I've been to Jewish day school. I started going to shul since at a very young age, every single week doing Shabbat dinner on a regular basis, having my own Pesach Seder with our own separate dishes, having a sukkah, in our backyard, being a part of the ebbs and flows of traditional Jewish life, particularly in the conservative movement. But interestingly enough for myself, in day school at USDS, which is a conservative day school in Toronto, we really learned how to learn Torah. We learned in Hebrew, we learned the Mepharshim, we learned the commentaries, we prayed every day with a minion, we put on our tefillin after bar mitzvah. So there's this whole vocabulary and inner experience as a child that I have growing up with Judaism. But once I went to high school, going from USDS to CHAT, which is the Community Hebrew Academy of Toronto, there was, a, there was a transition, there was a change in my experience in relationship with Judaism. Not so much in the home. The home has always been a, a real source of community and love and family for me. But on a personal level, While I was getting really intense Jewish learning and connection in elementary, once I went to high school, it's not so much on the the institution itself, but as a person who is taking on a larger workload and coming into school every day and having English classes that were becoming really important, Hebrew just became a grade. Learning just became a grade. The religious and spiritual dimension started to fade away from my consciousness in an everyday sense. I did start continue to go to shul, uh, especially moving from my family, moving from a reform synagogue, Holy Blossom, to uh, the village shul, which is a pretty open community with people across the spectrum of religious observance. All that sort of aside, for myself, growing up in a very traditional, committed Jewish house, but not Orthodox, I had a transition where I took on my religious observance in a much more Orthodox way, which for me, in the sense of faith and spirituality, didn't change as much as how I practiced. So instead of it being more abstract for me and something that I maybe thought about on a regular basis or less, depending on the type of season, depending on what was going on, 
For myself, I did have a transition where my Jewish practice became much more intentional. Um, I just want to pause yeah. there. You seem to be articulating a certain kind of contradiction, right? Which is that you went to high school. Yeah. In high school, you're actually narrating that there was a diminishment of yeah. your Jewish connection. And yet, we see you here today, and you're talking about the fact that you embraced an Orthodox observance. So how did it go down in terms of less connection to going up to more connection? Right. So let me document the going down. Let's, let's document the going down for, for everybody. So my memories in grade 11, as an example, that's me at around 15 or 16 years old. We've transitioned from Holy Blossom to the village shul as a family. I, of course, throughout this entire time, having Shabbat dinner at my grandparents, which we still do to this day, regardless of how it's been observed. But at that time, from grade 12 onward, essentially grade 11 was the last year where I really was deeply connected uh, to the rhythms of Judaism, not just because of my family or the school, but because I was really into it. For myself, I would say that a few things happened from grade 12 and first year university that changed for me. The first is that I had a very difficult relationship with God. Uh, I am someone who struggles in certain elements with mental health, particularly OCD. As a Jewish individual who has struggled with this, a lot of my pre presenting concerns when I was younger were about this fear that if I didn't do something or say something or pray in a certain way that God forbid something bad could happen to people that I love. So I always had a strong relationship with God but there was a pathological dimension to it that was very difficult. And as I got older, from around grade 12-ish on, Judaism represented, in certain respects, pain and suffering and fear and anxiety and stress and guilt. And so it really moved me away from Judaism. So grade 12, it was perhaps an, uh, the climax of starting to recognize that I was having these concerns and also just being involved in 17 years old. I'm 17 years old. I'm going out. I'm having fun with my friends. I'm not so focused on religion. That with the fact that I was struggling mentally to the point where in first year university, I was very disconnected from Judaism. And when I say that, I don't mean being involved in Shabbat and with my family. There was always something that, like I've mentioned, that bridge that stayed connected. But at that point, I was much more into being in university, being involved in university life, being involved in education. I was studying philosophy, being involved in parties, fraternity life, things like that. So I took some time off from it. Part of it was this positive reinforcement of having a lot of fun in university and not wanting to be really involved in the limitations of the supposed religious life. And the other, just wanting to avoid the deep existential concerns I had that Judaism was closely correlated to with my OCD struggles. So that took me to around the end of first year university. And from there, I did have quite a different experience. It did not come through my Jewish relationship or Jewish identity. It came much more through open spirituality. So you said in some ways that your uh, avoidance of Judaism was because it actually raised certain existential issues for you that yeah. were troubling and problematic. And you also talked about conceptions of Judaism that involve things like guilt and fear and so on. I'm wondering if you could tell me how you actually came up with that visualization. In other words, why did God seem a certain way to you? Why did Judaism seem a certain way to you? Was it something that you somehow picked up as a kid? Was it something you thought was taught to you? In other words, how did these images first begin to percolate within you? Can you trace that? I can do my best. For myself, as someone who identifies as 
a person with OCD, a lot of times, whether or not there's the presenting concern being religion or not, it has its own manifestation. But for me, it was always related to separation, separation anxiety. When I was very young, being afraid of, of being separated from my parents, I had certain moments where I ha was lost at an event. I remember being lost at a UJA event at an age five. Things like that really rooted me firm in this fear of separation. And so having a relationship with God and prayer in general, where there is this dimension of you're praying out to somebody to help you, praying out to God for protection, praying out to God for so things will go well. That understanding, which is very aligned with the biblical conceptions of God, ended up being a, a pattern, a pattern of understanding. So for some people with OCD, it ends up being something that you do. You ward off your fears by reassuring your with other people. You know, it could be asking someone for reassurance that what you're thinking isn't real, etc., etc. But for me as a religious person, it was praying to God, saying, God, I don't want bad things to happen. Please take these thoughts away. Please take the power of them away. So it starts at a young age of separation anxiety and being involved completely in a religious environment. As a kid, my language of faith and reaching out for help was connected to, to Judaism and to religion. So that's sort of how it started at a young age. I remember being 13 years old and having very specific prayers that I would say for protection based on what I was thinking about, based on different fears that came up. And that would sort of keep the fears and anxieties at bay. But what ended up happening was I ended up having an identified relationship. Prayer is my obsessive ritual in order to keep me safe. Problem with that is that the more religion becomes identified and tied up with mental health, the more difficult it is to have a genuine relationship with God. So the, in other words, the relationship ends up being unhealthy at that point. Exactly. Because it's a conduit for sort of- A conduit of for rituals in okay. OCD. And so it was easier as a, as a young adult to push that dimension away from me completely in order to avoid the pain of the ritualizations and the existential anxiety of thinking about these issues in my life. There's something actually compellingly universal, actually, about what you're saying. Not that everybody has OCD, but you're narrating a journey in which there's some factor that creates an unhealthy relationship with God and religion. And in a sense, you have to separate from that, yep. not just from the factor, but from all of it, from God, religion, practice, in order to kind of own it back again on your own terms, which is what it sounds like you did. Yeah, so it's hard, again, to articulate the sequential stages at times because it's not always linear. But what essentially happened for me was after I consider myself almost numbed out, I, I wasn't, I succeeded in school, I had strong relationships, I was connected to family, like things were not, like it wasn't like Judaism wasn't a part of my life at that right. time. It's just, it wasn't the front and center as it had been in certain parts of my life growing up. But what did happen for me is after first year university, it sort of climaxed my experience of, of say la vie, of YOLO, you know, you're only living once kind of thing. For me, was, was really going to Israel, experiencing the land as an individual, not as part of a March of the Living trip, but as coming and, and seeing uh, and experiencing my family, my cousins, enjoying the, the nightlife, enjoying the world over there, enjoying even the spirituality at that point for where I was. And after I came home from that trip, well, I should mention that I also went to Europe, had a lot of fun over there. But people that know me know that I was always very intense and spiritual. 
So for example, the way I watch sports is very ritualistic. I watch it alone in my basement. Nobody's with me. When I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles as an example, there's a, there's a ritual to it. It's an intensity, it's an excitement, it's an energy, it's a passion, it's a flow that I, that I experience. And so I do that with everything that I'm into. So I came back from this trip and my friends started talking to me about lucid dreaming and sort of these far out, out of body experience kinds of stuff. And I had a snap, there was a, a literal powerful change in my own and my whole identity. This happened once before in a way when I was in finishing grade 12 and I was with my friends working at a camp and I watched the movie Inception, which is all about dreams. Dreams has always been a very mind expanding topic. At that time, that movie, I couldn't explain why, but that movie, I was crying. I, it was deeply impacting me. Just this idea of what dreams are and what, what's beyond ourselves, what's going on. What does this mean? What is, a, uh, what is this dream movement and construction of worlds and dreams? And at that time, that movie really impacted me, but, it didn't, but then I went along moving in my life. And then from there, when my friend talked to me about lucid dreaming, it was this. It was, it was oh my gosh, spirituality, life, meaning. Everything just flooded back into my world very fast. It was, it was, it was instantaneous. It was just from that moment on, my entire world was interested in, in spirituality the way that you would define spirituality in the sort of new age sense. Really getting into meditation, out of body experiences, all this kind of stuff. And that lasted for probably about five or six months. We're just delving deeply into all of this stuff, learning about new age spirituality and religions and, and Buddhism and, and yoga and all this stuff. And how old are you at this point? I'm about tw 19, 20. I'm 19, at the 20. end of first year university. So. After my trip to, after first university, I'm on this trip uh, and I come home and within two days of coming home from this trip, which was just the apex of like say la vie in a certain sense, um, you know, I have some journal entries at that point and I was always still deeply thinking, but something really made a mark on me learning about just beyond the body, whatever that meant at the time. So that, that, that lifted me out of, out of an entire world that I was ingrained in. And it started with, with non-Jewish spirituality, if you will. And for, for quite a while, that's where I was sort of landing at. That's how I was living with spirituality. But I wanna just point out that in this time period, for example, a person, as we all know, the gurus of the West that have brought mindfulness and meditation to the West, they're mostly Jewish. You have Goldberg, uh, Sharon Salzberg, you have Jack Kornfield, you have Richard Alpert, you have Tara Brock. These are all Jews who found spirituality in the East. And in other time periods, they would have went with that like they did and traveled and, and they were gone. Six months, a year, whatever it was. For me, it was, everything was condensed. I had like that world minimized and instead of like years, it was like this tight seven months of exploration in that world or something like that till the middle of second year university. So before we yeah. carry on the next part of our conversation, I wanna close this part sure. by asking you whether at this point in time, or even looking back on it, whether it concerned you that there were these jumps um, in different directions, or whether you just see that now as an intrinsic part of how you relate to the world. So by nature, I am intense. Uh, I move uh, at a very, when I'm into something, I go for it. But that's just also part of my flow. I consider myself very balanced and grounded. I'll just briefly finish up that, that it took me very, very short to really come back to start learning about Jewish spirituality and then just integrating a, a halachic lifestyle which really grounded me in action. And from there, the more I got grounded in, in Jewish practice of spirituality, the more I got grounded in my life professionally and personally, which is a whole other world. So 
I would say externally, I move a lot less than I was. I'm very grounded in my lifestyle as a, as a Jew in this world. And what was so interesting is that when I took on, so to speak, halachic life, all of the building blocks of my elementary education, my family life, all of that stuff just got re-downloaded and invigorated and enlivened. And it's such a huge part of my Jewish identity. Thanks for listening to the Living Jewishly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people like you find our show so that we can continue to grow the Living Jewishly community together. You can find us at livingjewishly.org and on YouTube and Instagram. Living Jewishly is living well with everyone.